I wonder, um, to kick off, I wonder if you had one word to sum up 2021, what would it be? If you had to think of one word. And at this point, um, I am wondering, uh, and I would encourage you as you sit in your living rooms or wherever you are, just to, to share that word. If you had one word, and I'm, I'm anticipating that might be a negative word for 2021. I wonder if you had, so we've got one word to sum up uh, 2021. Or maybe you've not got one. If you had one word to get you through 2022, what would it be? One word to get you through 2022. One word that you could focus on and that you could sort of, that, that could drag you along or could give you some hope or some optimism. One of my favorite followers um, on Twitter is Susie Dent. Uh, she's on uh, eight, oh, Countdown, but eight out of 10 cats does Countdown as well. And one of the things that she does is she gives life to words that have been forgotten, uh, words that she thinks that we need. And she brings them back, tries to resurrect them. So maybe words that have fall, fallen out of our vocabulary and out of common use, she pulls back uh, and presents them again and says, how about this word again? And, and the word that she's put out there for 2022, a word that was forgotten a few hundred years ago, um, but existed, um, is RISPAIR. Um, RISPAIR, R-E-S-P-A-I-R, RISPAIR. So we have still in public use, we still have despair, which might have been your word for 2020. Um, but she's pulled this one back. The, the positive um, inverted meaning of this word is, is RISPAIR, and it means the return of hope after a period of despair. It's a good word, I think, for 2022. We are literally, at the moment, looking for words um, to get us through this next year, aren't we? We are hearing um, our leaders and politicians and celebrities uh, making speeches, and we are listening, literally looking to try and have a vocabulary uh, that might pull us through. And one of the things I think that we're seeing as we, as we hear the words, and sometimes these words are the words that that we're using even our vocabulary feels pretty insufficient when we when we look out to 2022 and we don't really know what's going to happen we don't really know what's coming and all the words that we're using feel a bit insufficient one of my one of the joys and the assurances that i have um from the bible is that is that when i turn to it i see words that are not temporal won't get me through five minutes but that are eternal, that are huge, that have enough gravitas to speak into every circumstance that I'm facing. So a situation comes on like a pandemic, which, which leaves us all short of a few words. I look into the Bible and I see words that are eternal and true and have meaning uh, that speak way beyond um, the circumstances that we're in. One of my favorite moments in the Bible is, is a moment when it's in John, I think it's John six, somewhere John six, maybe seven, when, what Jesus is revealing about himself means that everybody's deserting him. Everybody's, everybody's fleeing. Everybody's um, leaving him because of, because of what, what he said is going to happen to him and how confusing that is for people that his body is going to be um, beaten up and they're going to have to eat from it is the language that he used. And everybody flees apart from a few of his closest. Peter says to him when Jesus looks at him and, and sort of says, are you not going to go as well? And he says... Um, where would I go? Where would I flee to that could bring me more hope? And he looks at Jesus and he says, you've got the words of eternal life. 
he recognizes in Jesus somebody who speaks beyond the minute and the drama and the moment into eternity. And he says, I'm going to stick with you because you've got words that can get me through this. So what I want to do in this talk really quick is just give you is give you some biblical language um, to get you through 22, because I think that's the best place for you to go since we don't know. Uh, what's happening i would encourage you to prayerfully in 2022 as, as i come to this juncture read the bible for yourself and ask god um to give you some words these these are words that i'm picking up uh, from my devotional uh, studies and i'm going to share them with you but i think my conviction is that god speaks to us uh, through his word in that sense and so i've got yeah i've got three words for you and these three words um they're not like despair, which is, have gone out of common use. They they are words that perhaps are on the endangered list of of our Christian vocabulary. So I'm going to try and encourage you to to rest in them. So the first one is awaken. Awaken. Um, let me, I've, I've forgotten to read the text. Let me just read the text first before we get into that. So the text we're going to look at is in a, in a little book at the at the end of the Bible called Jude, and we're going to read from verse 17. Um, through to the end of the text. So this has been what I've been reading through in my uh, sort of personal devotion. So the text says this, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there'll be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring to you eternal life. And be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing Stained by corrupted flesh. And we can leave it there just for the second, just for this second. So the first word I want to pull out of this text is awaken. Um, the idea of awakening, to come to your senses, to be made aware of what is going on. I think as we look out on 2022, there is, <laughs> there's lots of unknowns. There's lots out there to... Um, to bring stress and anxiety towards us, isn't there? One of the things I think that that I've observed in 2021, probably more, it's probably been the case that this is, it's probably been the case throughout history that it's been like this, but I've noticed it more in these last couple of years, the way that the world seems now more than ever, it fractured, B breaking up, sort of separated, divided uh, over stuff like, um, it feels, to, to give it a picture, it feels very much like, do you know when you, somebody treads on the ice and the ice all splinters into like a loads of different pieces? It, it feels like somebody's pressing on the ice of our world at the moment and splintering everything up, fracturing it all. And it, like I say, it's probably been, the idea of fracture is not a new thing. The idea of, um, you know, us falling out and things like that. But it feels now more than ever that that, you know, that that is part of everyday life, that there's more now to separate us, or, or at least that we are aware now more of the things that, that separate us. And I think perhaps the most unsettling thing about that 
as we as we think about that the thing that might cause us to to cry out maybe even lose hope is is when we can't even get to the point where we can see what causes all this what causes us all to to be fractured um often we're just left i think facing the fracture aren't we we can see we hear on the news of a war going on in a part of the world and we see two bunches of people that don't get on and we we don't get to know or we don't know enough about the story to see why they're falling out um we ha we have different eth groups of ethnicity different ethnic groups that that don't get on we have different cultural groups that don't get on we have even in our own families um we have fallouts and divisions just the way that we that we feel about a bug the pandemic just the way that we feel about that causes us to splinter into so many different um groups we're, we're so aware of it and it makes it so much worse when we we're, we're just left seeing almost it, you know the brokenness around us and two things happen i guess we, we either get as, as we see it happen we either get broken ourselves we become depressed and anxious or we join in the splintering and we become people who break stuff up. We put walls up. We identify with a certain group and build build walls around ourselves. The Bible says, I think, brilliantly in this text. It says, wake up. As as we look at a world and we and we go, it may be in fear and stress and anxiety and and wonder what on earth has caused all these divisions, un, unknowns to us, perhaps. The Bible says, wake up. You see this text? It says, you know you're a Christian. If you're somebody of faith, you really ought to know what's going on. We know what divides us. Read with me verse 17 to 19. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there'll be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and don't have the spirit. See what it says? It says underneath all this, this is the split, the division is caused by people who have forgotten God, who have gone away from God. That's, that's what splits us up. And in this, if, if we don't see that, if we if we forget that if we just live in the panic and in the fracture then it yeah it is overwhelming isn't it it's maybe overwhelming anyway but if we see as i think god's word tells us you see what it says there it says you've been told about this the apostles have told you about this they have foretold this they've told you about this already there's going to be division and it's going to come from people who who've forgotten about god I think that that's the thing for us and that's the thing that maybe can get us through 2022 we know what the story is we're not naive to it we shouldn't allow ourselves to get too beaten up by it we know what's going on we know that it's sin and if we know that it's sin we can at least process what's happening we can at least look out there and see the fracture and go well i know what this is and the other thing that we know if we have faith in this book if we're convicted about the faith that we have, if this rings true for us, we know that if this is the problem and it's connected with sin, then we know that God deals with it. We read, don't we, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, that, this, that the, the devil, the serpent that causes all this drama, that is at the root of all this fracture, God's got a plan for that. 
from the beginning, he had a plan for that. And we see it fulfilled in Jesus and we can have total confidence. This is the drama. This is the fracture. And yet if that's what, if it's sin, which is what we believe it is, then we know that God's got it. So this is the first thing we need to wake up. Um, it's so easy for us, I think, just to be overwhelmed by all this. It feels overwhelming. And yet God's word is, gives us a brilliant reminder. It says we're awake to this. We know what causes this. We know what causes division. I guess in this text, it's specifically talking about the church. But we know that this pattern rings true for the whole world. We know what divides us. It's the devil and his schemes. So wake up is the first one. Awaken is your first word for 2022 to, to get you through. The second one is <clears throat> expectant. Be expectant. Live your life in light of future events. Be expectant. For the most part, um, in the secular modern West, our lives are guided by the immediate. They are guided by what is happening now. This is this is how um, I think for the most part that so we are we are smart and we are progressed and we are you know we are technically advanced and all the rest of it. And but and we and we we think we have come to a, a point I think where we think that you know this idea of secularism. That, that ultimately means that right now is is the most important thing. This is how we think. We think that we're smarter now. We think that what matters most is what happens right now. We think that whatever we're going to need, we're going to need to be able to get it right now. This is this is how the, the I guess the particularly the Western modern mind thinks. We think in an immediate sense. We're influenced by the past, um, but we do see it as inferior. We talk about the future. We look to the future. But have you noticed we really struggle to act on the future because what because now is king and what the bible says is a different perspective than i guess the one that we have in the in the in the modern west i guess the bible says that that now matters today the bible talks a lot about today today matters it matters what you do today it is important very important but it also looks at the past the ancient past which we dismiss a little bit and he says that's hugely important it's hugely significant, but it also says, don't take your eye off the future. You've got to live in light of the future. This is what it says in, in a way that we perhaps don't think, think to do as a society now. Live in light of what's to come, not just in light of what's happening right now and what you need right now, but live in light of what's to come. And maybe you're thinking, because this is a sermon, you're thinking, is he, is he talking, is he going to give us a moral lesson about climate change is he going to talk to us about death that hangs over is it about judgment is this about heaven well yes i guess it is but more than anything else jesus talks about these things and he draws our eyes i think to these things but more than anything else jesus talks about the kingdom being the future jesus talks about the the idea that there is a time in front of us where god's perfect ways where the reality of him will will cause life to be to exist in such a way that everything's perfect that his rule and reign is there present with us that it, Jesus talks in such a way that he says you need to see that this is in front of you we know it, and and the way that we understand that through the biblical language the way that he talks about it Jesus says and this we should think of this as as both now and not yet this is something that we've seen enough We've, you've seen enough in, in him, in Jesus himself, to know that the sparks are there for this to, to, to be fulfilled, but it's not yet fully fulfilled. 
which means that it's a wit. It's a wit. Um, when you know that you're waiting for something and when you're not getting it immediately, you there's a mentality shift, isn't there? You need you need to adopt a certain mentality in order to get 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 through. I guess we're using this word expectant. I guess the 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 most frequently we use this this idea of being expectant is if we see if you know a, a woman uh, becoming pregnant. There's this idea that you are expectant, and what it means is that your your life for the next nine months is waiting. There's something going on that you know is going to be brilliant and that's a wonderful thing and it's an incredible thing, but ultimately you're, you've got to adopt this mental stance of waiting. You, you need to wait. And the in this passage, and Jesus says it to us and the text reminds us of it here, that we are currently in a time where we need to be aware that we are waiting. This is something we need to know for 2022. We are waiting. We need to know it because the culture that we live in, as we've said already, tells us that everything can be accessed right now. And I think that pervades our thinking to the point that we think, well, if God's going to speak or he's going to listen to me, he's going to answer me, he's going to do it right now. And if I look up to him and I ask him for something and I've not got it, then it either means he's not there or he's not answering my prayer. And God says to us through his word, through Jesus, through the text here, that we are in a time where we are waiting and waiting is something that although it sounds and you often think of I guess somebody sat slouched just waiting it's not a passive activity you've got to decide to wait waiting is something that as Christians we actively have to do it's participatory when something is a long way off we have to commit to waiting for it when something feels like it's really worth it we, we, we actively anticipate it. You see what this passage tells us here in verse 20? This is what it asks us to do. It asks us to wait. But you, dear friends, here's the active bits. By building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit actively, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Do you see, do you see what it asks us to do there? It says to us, keep you, keep yourselves in God's love. Let that be the main driver for your life. Hang on in there with God's love. And also, wait on his mercy. That's what you're waiting for. You're hanging on for his mercy. You're actively saying, the, you know, my path sits and waits on God acting mercifully for me. I'm going to actively wait. This is what Christianity is. This is what I think is what we need to get us through 2022. When we're waiting and, and when we and there are times in our Christian wait when when what is promised us the presence of God feels really near it feels very realistic heaven feels feels very realistic and we anticipate we actively wait and, and we look forward to it and we praise and we worship and we celebrate and there are other times as we wait when it feels like and this might be 2022 I guess this is why we say it, it feels like a long way off and in these times, we still wait, we actively wait, and we cling on, and we wait on the mercy of God. I don't think I've heard anybody put this any better. And there is probably a hymn that does this, or a psalm that does this. Um, but Marcus Mumford, um, I think he's a really 
beautiful lyricist. And I don't know, you know, I don't know of his antics, whether he's a Christian or not. Maybe somebody will text me in either joyfully or angrily after the sermon. I don't know. But when I read the lyrics in some of his songs, he at least knows, um, he knows his theology. Listen to the words of the, the man who waits for God here. So I'm going to, I'm just this. And if you know the song, I will wait, you'll know the, the thumping um, guitar rhythm that bangs the way through it. I will wait, I will wait for you. So this is the lyric. When I came home, well, I came home like a stone and I fell heavy into your arms. These days of dust, which we've known will blow away with this new sun. He talks of the idea of the world being temporal and he knows it's going to get blown away with the new sun that comes. But I'll kneel down and I'll wait for now. And I'll kneel down, and this is a line that bangs out of, you know, you hear the vocal coming through. I'll know my ground. He knows, he knows the ground that he's sitting on. He knows the ground that he occup that he's occupying, that it's temporal and it involves waiting. And I will wait, I will wait for you. He goes on to say, now I'll be bold as well as strong. And I'll use my head alongside my heart. So take my flesh and fix my eyes. This next line is a great line. A tethered mind, free from the lies. He recognizes that in waiting for God, as he anticipates his coming, he's cut off from the lies that, that hold him. He's tethered from that. He's snapped away from that. And he's liberated as he waits for God. He's released. And I'll kneel down, wait for now. I'll kneel down, know my ground. And then he goes on to say, and you can decide whether this is Christian or not. Raise my hands paint my spirit gold and bow my head keep my heart slow and i will wait i will wait for you this is this is our this is our spot as christians we live in the now and not yet we live with as much of god's love in us to know that something's happening to have confidence that something's happening but it's not fully happened yet and we wait the last one that i want to leave with you is to be compassionate, to be compassionate. So we need to be awake, we need to be expectant, and we need to be compassionate. Let me read through with you the last, just the last couple of verses. And to be compassionate means that we're to be sympathetic, conscious of others. This is the dictionary definition. Being compassionate is somebody who's sympathetic, conscious of others with the desire to alleviate whatever they're going through. Verse 22 says, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by... So just have a think on. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, I've read these verses before, but maybe like me, when you come to these verses, you look at... <laughs> they seem they seem like the kind of verses that you're thinking, should these be... Is this really what... Is this what being a Christian is? Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So we get to this point. If if sin is what if sin's what divides us, and if we're waiting, then though we really need to wake up, and though we've got to wait well, we've got to be flooded with compassion. Jesus leaves us an example to be to, to be people that are filled with compassion. We constantly read of him stopping filled with compassion. We often don't get to read about the thing, the places that he was supposed to end up at because he halfway along the halfway along the route. He's so filled with compassion for somebody he sees struggling that he stops. Compassion always takes us beyond 
where we can reasonably go, which is exactly what our world needs. And it causes us, I think this is the critical thing. When we think as Christians, what we really need to do is be tough and hard. We need to protect the boundaries of our faith, our own lives. The idea that we are compassionate means that we will always need to be soft. We will always need to be soft. It might feel like the common sense thing to do to toughen up. It might feel like the common sense thing to do to put some real severe boundaries in. It might feel like the common sense thing to do to act tough, to separate yourself from stuff. And yet the idea that we must be filled with compassion means that we have got to stay soft. Do you see the encouragement in this text? Be merciful to those who doubt. The people that you encounter, maybe if you're a Christian and you and you and having a wobble and struggling, maybe for long periods of time, God's word instructs, stick with these people. Stick with these people, the wobblers, the people that are struggling and having doubts, stick with these people. And then it maybe escalates in verse 23, save others by snatching them from the fire. This this is talking about people who've maybe gone away from God and who are just living life in the fire, so to speak. You know, the idea of fully embracing life in, a, in such a reckless way that you, you know, that you're, that, that it could threaten to consume you. And yet God's word says to us, be near enough to these people that you can be able to pull them out of the fire. It's almost like these are like stories, it seems to me, of like last minute salvation. Stick in with people. Stick in with people who look like they don't care about this story, sticking with people so that you're able in that moment of real need to provide rescue. And then it, I think I think as I read it, it escalates even more. The last little bit of the text. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the corrupted flesh. I think that it's saying you can even get to a point where you're witnessing people who are in dire, you know, who are evidencing, even on their clothing, dire, desperate need. And I think the encouragement in scripture is go as far as you can to help these people. Go as far into that story as you can to help these people without getting yourself dragged in. Wherever that line is, go that far. Be that full of compassion. This is the instruction. Be awake. Be expectant and be full of compassion. How on earth are we going to keep these words in our vocabulary in 2022? With all the info that's out there, how are we not going to become drowsy and drained and despairing and self-centered? I think the answer is in the last little bit of the text. And what I'd like us to do as we think about 2022 and everything that could mess us up and separate us from God and separate us from each other, I wonder if we could just um, take time to read this last little doxology, verse 24 and 25, as a prayer. So I might just ask you to say it with me if you're on your on your way home or on the bus or if you're in the, your living rooms. Maybe you just read this out. Or if you're in a little gang, maybe one of you could just read this out and we'll pray it together. Um, this is how this is how we're able to be kept. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Here's, here's the truth of it. There's only, there's only Jesus that can keep us in this circumstance. There's only Jesus that can wake us up from this slumber. There's only Jesus that can cause us to live our lives in such an expectant way, to cause us to be so focused on his return, to want his return, that we lose sight of everything else. There's only Jesus that can empty us enough of ourselves that we might have compassion for others. There's only Jesus that can change our vocabulary <clears throat> by becoming our word. The word becomes our word. Father God, we do pray that you would, that we would find ourselves kept in your love and that we would place ourselves actively in your care, uh, that we will um, wait for you, that even though it may feel like a long way off, that we will actively wait for you. When, and, and, and when your promises ring true for us, um, when, when we feel you near, may we anticipate you, Father God. As we wait, may we rejoice and celebrate. And we do, act, we do pray that you will become... Uh, for us, the words that will get us through 2022. We don't know yet of the new words that we'll learn or the new difficulties that will come or the new problems that we'll face. Um, but we, we're quite sure that they're out there. And yet, Father God, we remember that you are the God who brings us through and you are the God who stays with us. So we pray that you would awaken us um, to what's really going on. You would remind us uh, that you are in control of all these things. Uh, this is a sin-cursed state, but we have a God who defeats sin. And Father God, would you make us uh, expectant? Would you cause us again to be people who are looking up, uh, ready for your return, who live in light of future events? Not, not so much for right now, but for what's to come. Would you help us to live in light of your kingdom, that we might be blessed as we stay there? And would you, Father God, fill us with compassion? As we sit here now, we're convinced that the world, whatever it needs, it needs more compassion. It needs more of Jesus stopping and investing in people who are w without love. And so, Father God, would you fill us up uh, with com compassion? We pray in Jesus' name these things. Uh, we pray too, just now, for <clears throat> for everyone looking out to 2022 who might be feeling feeling things and, and struggling and under the weight of, of you know, struggle and, and difficulty and maybe even fear and anxiety. Father God, we do pray that... Um, that, that we will rest collectively uh, in the knowledge that you go with us wherever we are. And if we are faithful to you, uh, then you will be faithful to us. Yeah, Father God, this is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>